When people think of despotism and authoritarianism on the Korean Peninsula, it is exceedingly rare for North Korea not to be the focus. For over 70 years, the nation has operated under a single-party Juche government. Showing any disrespect towards the ruling Kim family can result in torture and execution. Almost a quarter of a million North Koreans live in internment camps, and the children and grandchildren of these prisoners will be interned for their entire lifetimes as well. Possession of Bibles, pornographic material, or the 2014 film The Interview are all surefire ways to be sent to an internment camp. North Korean citizens are also forbidden from leaving the country, as those caught doing so face execution on the spot. However, the North Korean government has generously given a select group of people the opportunity to leave the country to work hard labor in foreign nations for very little pay. These nations include Poland, where many North Koreans work as farmers and welders in coastal towns, and Qatar, where North Korean laborers are building the stadium for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Oh, and that's not to mention the fact that North Korea's current leader, in addition to being adorably chubby, has on numerous occasions threatened a nuclear annihilation of Japan and Guam. Needless to say, North Korea is not a great nation to live in. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It is, by almost all accounts, the most oppressive country in the world right now. However, North Korea hasn't always been the sole purveyor of malevolence on the peninsula. While it is easy to think that South Korea has always been the democratic and prosperous country with terrible, terrible music that it is today, this is simply not the case. In fact, since its formation in 1948, South Korea has been an unstable military dictatorship for most of its existence. It has undergone several government changes and coup d'etats in its brief history, and most of these administrations have been much less than democratic. The history of South Korea can be grouped into five republics. I'm going to tell you all about them right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the fifth episode of this podcast, and we've really come a long way since the first episode. I hope you're still enjoying it as much as you originally did. I can't wait for you to hear what I have in store this week. The controversial current event connection is in place, and so is the subtle New Jersey reference, so get ready. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. As with every obscure historical event, the five republics of South Korea have to start somewhere. So, after failing to take over Alaska, in hint last episode, the Japanese were pushed back to Japan, lost a bunch of their islands, got nuked, and spoiler alert, they lost World War II. Japan was forced to return much of the land it had taken from other nations, including Taiwan, Manchuria, the Philippines, New Guinea, Borneo, Burma, Java, Sumatra, and of course, Korea. 
The plan was to keep the entire peninsula united as one nation. However, this idea soon faded away. See, the north half had been occupied by the Soviet Union, who had developed a single-party communist government led by Supreme Commander Kim Il-sung. Meanwhile, the southern half had been administered by the United States, who had implemented a democratic, with heavy air quotes, provisional government led by President Syngman Rhee. These two governments developed into separate nations, North Korea and South Korea, by 1948. From 1950 to 1953, the two nations fought the Korean War, which resulted in an armistice and virtually no change to the border between the nations. South Korea had lived to see another day, and it seemed as if they would be a powerful ally for democracy and anti-communism in the region. But for South Korea, the terror was only beginning. The First Republic had been created. President Rhee strengthened his grasp on power and began a massive purge of suspected North Korean sympathizers. Approximately 200,000 communists were executed without ever being tried or convicted and were buried in mass graves. South Korea remained very poor and they relied on U.S. foreign aid. President Rhee tried to sway the public opinion in favor of himself by pushing for a constitutional amendment to establish free, transparent elections. He even jailed parliament members who he expected to vote against the amendment. Rhee was re-elected in 1954 by a landslide in a rigged election. Two years later, Rhee was much less popular. The 1956 election was not going to be as easy for him. It seemed that opposition candidate Shin Ik-hee was going to win, but in the summer of 1956, Shin mysteriously died. Rhee was re-elected again with ease. The runner-up in the election, Cho Bong-am, was tried and executed for treason. Rhee subsequently abolished term limits so he could serve for longer than eight years. On April 19, 1960, the body of a high school student killed by police was found in the city of Masan. In turn, the infuriated residents of the city began a massive protest against Rhee's government. By the end of the day, Rhee had resigned and fled to Honolulu, Hawaii, where he was granted amnesty by the United States. It was the start of the Second Republic. In July of 1960, elections were held and Yun Bo Siun was elected president. Along with his Prime Minister Chang Myon, Yun began rolling back many of Rhee's oppressive policies. For the first time since the start of Japanese rule in Korea, relations with Japan were normalized. South Korea also developed an especially strong relationship with West Germany due to the nation's shared conflicts with their communist neighbors political activity increased heavily among students, many of whom had been targeted by the policies of the First Republic. Corrupt officials from the previous administration were removed, and more than 4,000 police officers who were responsible for injuries and deaths were removed from their positions as well. However, the economy was still not perfect. South Korea continued to rely on American foreign aid, and by 1961, 
the yuan currency had lost half of its value against the U.S. dollar. This economic decline led to a sense of resentment against Yun's government. In addition, Yun had drastically decreased the size of the South Korean military, angering many soldiers. On May 16, 1961, General Park Chung-hee delivered a speech to a brigade of soldiers, calling for them to rise up against the government. When police officers were dispatched to arrest the rebels, Park, who was known for his charisma, convinced many of the officers to join the coup. Park's men were able to occupy the Blue House, which is the office of the South Korean president. Prime Minister Chang fled the country, and the Supreme Council for National Reconstruction was established, with Park Chung-hee as chairman. President Yoon was allowed to remain in his position, but only as a figurehead with no power. The military junta lasted for two years, and in 1963, the Third Republic was created. The South Korean economy immediately boomed. The foreign aid from Japan and the U.S. was no longer necessary, but Park willingly kept accepting it. This money was used to give interest-free loans to businesses. A period of massive growth in infrastructure began, as railroads and airports were constructed across the country. Park became massively popular due to this growth. However, there was a darker aspect to his rule. To facilitate the economic boom, workers' rights were massively curbed, and labor unions were even outlawed. Park also had more sinister intentions. On October 10, 1972, Park launched a self-coup and dissolved the national legislature. He subsequently suspended the constitution and declared martial law. The media immediately came under his control and universities were shut down indefinitely. It was the start of the Fourth Republic. South Korea had truly become a military dictatorship. Park introduced the Yushin Constitution in 1973. The Yushin Constitution passed with a dubious 92% of the vote in a referendum with a 91% voter turnout. This new constitution formalized his excessive presidential powers and declared him president for life. Park used his newfound power to further suppress opposition. A member of the far-right Democratic Republican Party, Park stripped members of the Liberal Democratic Party of their power. On August 8, 1973, the Korean Central Intelligence Agency kidnapped Democratic Party leader Kim Dae-jung. Kim had been living in exile in Japan since Park's rise to power, and he was kidnapped while at a conference in Tokyo. Following the intervention of American Ambassador Philip Habib, Kim was released five days later. After several years of Park's rule, dissidents became fed up with his authoritarianism. On October 26, 1979, Park was assassinated by Democratic Party member Kim Jae-gyu in the Blue House. This was the last straw for many South Koreans, yet another regime change showed that South Korea was not a stable enough nation to raise a family in.
a mass exodus to the United States began. Hundreds of thousands of Koreans moved to cities like Palisades Park, New Jersey, where 51% of residents today are of Korean descent, or Los Angeles, California, which has the highest Korean-American population at 350,000. One couple that moved to Los Angeles was Do Wan Chang and his wife, Jin Suk Chang. The two worked various jobs to save up money before opening up a niche fashion store in 1984. The store remains today as Forever 21. Other Koreans began families in the suburbs of Los Angeles, where many remained into the 1990s and acted as vigilantes during the 1992 LA riots. After a year of unstable rule by President Choi Kyu-ha, Major General Chun Doo-hwan launched a coup d'etat in May 17, 1980. He transformed the nation once again into a military dictatorship and declared martial law. It was the start of the Fifth Republic. As shown by South Korea's entire history, the nation's residents do not take dictatorships well. On May 18, 1980, the day after Chun's rise to power, students at Chonam University in Gwangju began protesting the new government. In turn, Gwangju police fired on the protesters, killing several. The residents of the city responded by robbing armories and police stations and taking up arms against the police. Over the next week, Almost 2,000 civilians and police officers died in the uprising. The Gwangju uprising made Chun Du Huan massively unpopular, and he began to see the writing on the wall that his time would soon be up. The population was rapidly modernizing, and South Korea needed to prepare for the 1988 Summer Olympics. Opposition leader Ro Tai-woo was gaining a following, and his popularity quickly eclipsed that of Chun, Chun decided that, if he had to leave, he would go out with dignity. In December of 1987, South Korea held its first democratic, honest election in two decades. Ro won the election, and Chun respectfully finished out his term before handing the presidency to Ro. A new constitution was drafted, and the sixth and so far final republic began. South Korea was finally a true democracy. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I really enjoy making this podcast, and I'm glad that you folks are still here listening to it. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash historiaobscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long. <laughs>